0: Thanks for Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. We're coming to you live from the Go Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver, where if you're heading to downtown for an event, for a game, make it a staycation. Call the wall 604-331-1000. That's the alongside Blake Price, great assassin and switches, conducting things. Alongside intern Lachlan Irvin, in this show presentation, Applewood Auto Group,
1: Applewood, Kia, and Langley wants you to join the electric revolution, folks. You really, really do. And the uh, the Kia Nero, take one for a test drive. You're going to fall in love. Uh, they can get financing for you for 6.49%. And uh, you'll be saying goodbye to the pumps for good. It's all good at Applewood.
0: Poll question today. The Canucks and Bruins, top two teams in the National Hockey League. Do you want a Stanley Cup rematch? Yes or no? You can vote at some Price on Twitter and on YouTube. And it's a resounding yes from me, Blake Price. They're two fantastic hockey markets. So bring on game 33 or whatever it would be because that Marchand kid has his comeuppance.
1: You know, still if, do. If he wasn't there, this would be a joke of a poll question. And some people mm, might still think so. I don't know. There'd be no grudge to... The to, sweater to is over. still hated here. The yeah, sweater maybe. is still hated. The spoked bee will forever be hated. But Brad Marchand is is such a character, such a figure that he is, that even if that's the only bit of revenge, people mm-hmm. will take great glee if they can make that happen. Oh, man. Could you imagine because because you can bet he would be up to his antics oh he he would be hoisting the Stanley Cup trophy over his head in a warm-up of game one Mm -hmm. now the Canucks have a big z this time around
0: (laughs) it's a door that's what talking called him yes last week yeah look uh we're asking this because the Bruins beat the Winnipeg Jets in a showdown on Monday night from two of the best teams in the league. And of course the Vancouver Canucks ho-hum, they win another one, two buzz over the Chicago that was a win, eh? Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have this right? Both you and Grady were at the game
1: last night. I was at the game. Yes. Took my nephew and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, there there's a lot of kids. I feel really bad first off. Mm-hmm. I, there were so many. I have not seen that many kids at a Canucks game in forever. And I, I think everybody wanted to show their kids the the pride of vancouver yeah. here, north Van, and, and connor bedard and alas that was not to be but i i heard i heard chatter from the kids around me in the third <laughs> period going this is boring <laughs> you know it was it was not a spectacular right. game
0: yeah and uh let's face it a lot of those kids would have connor would have been closer in age to a lot of those yeah. kids than many in the audience grady you went too
2: I did, and I missed the first two goals of the game. So I didn't so you try. had nothing. You had nothing. Absolutely nothing. One of the most boring games I've ever watched. I was
0: going to say, like, you know, when you take a look at the home games you could have been at this year through 22 of them, 17-4-1, incidentally, at Rogers Arena, that might have ranked as the worst. And, Blake, we were talking about in the summer, I think it was the most desirable game for the ticket market yeah. heading into the season you know people talked about the oilers game on opening night they wanted to be there for that people talked about the Horvat return game with the islanders
1: but i believe we ran a poll and i believe Connor bedard in the blackhawks yeah game, it wasn't yeah. quite messy playing the white caps but it was it was maybe amongst <laughs> the top three games for, for sure circled and you know i, I driving in i told the kids i was like you know i don't think it'll be a great game but i think the canucks will score a lot of goals mm-hmm. and then two you know six minutes in i'm dunking on on that and saying you know told you dude, dad knows a thing or two oh. about hockey and then i i, well, then I thought it was I gonna didn't. be 10-1
0: against san jose again like, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, yeah yeah because even that suitor goal um like he he didn't get all of it like it was just sort of like he just got enough of it you know and and it's you know I'm thinking oh my god if they're scoring on their sort of their second and third uh, stab at it, then this is going to be a runaway. And in the end, and it's a a funny game, I I think we should now put to rest that this is a one-line team. Like, even if they're keeping a lot of line together, Matt, this isn't a one-line team. The Bluger line, and and at times, and they sort of take turns, either Hoaglander will contribute or somebody on that whatever we want to call it, the, uh, the Suter-Kuzmenko-Mikheyev line, that line will contribute, you know, every once in a while as well. You know, there's enough secondary scoring here. Mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes, of course, that I, this is not a one-line team. They've got support. The Lotto line, they were given the night off, and they took the night off. Both of Did those things ever? happened. Tockett didn't use them in the first seven minutes of the game. They were J T. Miller through seven minutes of the contest had played one minute and nineteen seconds. Connor Garland was at two and a half minutes at that point. Mm-hmm. Like it's like Tockett it said to them before the game, guys, if if we get an early lead, I'm not going to play you a ton, and I don't know that he said that. I'm just saying that's what it looked like with his usage. Yeah. He didn't lean on them late because they weren't good. He didn't lean on them early because I don't think he wanted to. His fifth shutout of the season, he stops, and he
0: winds up stopping 31 pucks. Didn't look like that was going to be the case at one point, but his fifth shutout of the season, it it ties for the
1: league lead. Were you a little surprised, Demko, here? Uh, I was surprised, um, but in the end... Thank goodness, and not that Desmith, you know, wasn't capable of doing the same. He's been played so well, but Demko saved them last night because there was a lot of good saves there. Think of the double left pad save that he made. Uh, I think it was in the third. Um, you know, they, they, you know, anytime Felino was out there, and you say what you want about Felino's extension and everything. I mean, he, you know, there was some pushback there from the from the Hawks, um, despite it being a very good AHL team. <laughs> but um, they tried and. If not Demko at his best, uh, I I think that might have been a one-point effort. I realize the Hawks have had some injuries, but you have to think there are
0: some people at the league office who this regular season cannot end early enough for right. San Jose and Chicago, given yeah, what they're doing season. to the uh, bottom of the National Hockey League. And, of course, Chicago, Blake, win another rivalry. They could have the two Vancouver first overalls, Connor Bedard and Macklin Celebrini. And, of course, we remember that fantastic Canucks-Blackhawks rivalry late in the 2000s into the early 2010s when that Stanley Cup champion Blackhawks team was underpinned by so many British Columbia players. So, um, yes, if I don't have to see Chicago again this season, I'm okay with that but we do have to see Chicago again this season. 2-0, two noth- two the Canucks win. Pugh Suter and Quinn Hughes with his 12th goal, which uh, a career high, and we'll have more on Quinn Hughes and his shooting here in a moment. 68 points, It leads the National Hockey League, a 723 points percentage. It is second to the Boston Bruins, a plus 59 goal differential. Also first in the National Hockey League and 17 better then second place Winnipeg, 8-1-1 and in the last 10, 16-2-3 in the last 21. And as mentioned, Demko with his league leading fifth shutout. He's tied with Connor Ingram and
1: Deltas' Kristen Jury there for the league lead. Jeff, On- Pat- Jeff Patterson dropped an amazing stat here. And there are incredible stats across the board, many of which you just mentioned. How about this one? The Canucks have trailed for 53 seconds over their last nine games. Yeah. They've opened the scoring in seven straight. And the one game they didn't in the last nine games, they tied it up a minute later and went on to win. Yeah. 53 That's been part seconds. of the formula, right?
3: Like.
0: It, that's been part of the formula this year is that you get that early lead and then you close it out. In fact, Jeff at Rink-Wide Van is asking a, a poll question today. The more remarkable stat uh, scored first in 33 of 47. I mean, we, we – um we were uh, fawning over it when it was 27 of 36 was it uh, or it's I mean that stat continues to go up as now, does the second one 29 and 1 when leading after two periods and of course the only blemish there was uh, a week ago Monday in Columbus on that Odd Matt May Martin Luther against a Columbus team that we'll see here on Saturday. Uh, before we get more into the game, Blake St. Louis coming off a game in Calgary Tuesday, so a tired St. Louis team, and then Columbus, one of the worst teams the league. Saturday after a couple days rest and then the All Star break. Yeah, are we looking at a five and O home stand here?
1: Infinitely doable. I mean, it should be doable. The Chicago game concerns me like, you know, and, and again, there's a huge and easy teaching moment for Rick Token. Um, and, and really, this should extend for the rest of the season as well. There is no finish line here. The all star break is not the finish line. And they need to regain some focus and some drive here. Or there's there could be some embarrassing results here, well, and, and I just and I thought that as a, a you know a two goal lead is not much in the NHL these days, even against an AHL team like the Blackhawks, like I, I thought really are they going to blow this streak against this team because they just didn't feel like playing tonight and they didn't, but they have to be wary of that here over these next two well, games. It's,
0: it's funny because Farhan Walji asked Rick Talkett in the preamble Monday. Are you worried about this being a trap game? And Talkett said, I would be, except that we played such a poor second period against Toronto, blowing that 3-0 lead, that I think we've been refocused. And yet there it was again yesterday, Mm -hmm. Monday, where you get the early lead. And then I think a lot of guys figured, okay, our our night's done here. Our work is done. And they could coast the rest of the way. And the fact of the matter is, against a team like that, if I can borrow the phrase, (laughs) yes, yes, you can. Uh, Kuzmenko, his first point since December 23rd against San Jose, his first assist, plural, since November. There's part of me that looks at what Suter, Kuzmenko, and Mikhaev did and said, "Okay, that's progress. And then there's another part of me that goes, no, you can't consider this any kind of barometer because of the opposition. Where do you fall? on
1: that Uh, you can't wipe it out entirely i i do wonder like from the time kuzmenko jumped on the ice he was noticeable it's almost like he saw that the the herring were spawning and and, like knew to go and feast you know herring very big in eastern europe so and for orcas which you know well they weren't wearing orca last night but um but uh You know, his stopping and starting and not only the spinning, but I mean, just like the, the stopping on pucks and not letting the play pass him by. Like it was there. There was a there was a concerted effort that you saw from him and you sort of thought, okay, there's a lot more opportunities than just versus the Chicago Blackhawks to play like this. So that will be interesting to watch going forward is and we've been waiting for this with him. When does the light bulb go off? And we talked about this with Hoglander and in, in, in years gone by and games gone by too. When does the light bulb go off? That oh, when I play like that, good things happen. I I hope Kuzmenko got that. Have
0: you ever eaten herring?
1: I don't think I have. Mm-hmm. No,
0: haddock, not herring. Well, big difference there, yeah. especially in this pickled herring. Yeah, I don't think I've had pickled. Yeah, herring. yeah. No, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Uh, well, it was the Suter line and the Lafferty line that was really carrying play for the Canucks through most of last night, and then head coach Rick Tockett had a thing or two to say about Pia Suter and that uh, and that line. Let's take a listen.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's more triangles. You know, a little more holding on to pucks. Um, they were closer together. Even if a guy lost it, there was another guy there to pick the, the loose puck up. Um, so hopefully that's a good start. You know, they they did a lot of video session the last couple of days, um, and I think it worked for them.
0: This is the second time in three days where Talkett has talked about video. Video, yeah. So you, you do wonder whether that's a more macro message to the rest of the team when coach is spec- uh, specifying video as often as he is.
1: Well, if there's any risk of some players putting their feet up going all-star break is here, mm-hmm. uh, there's another group of players here that are clearly drilling down. And getting more focus, So that's good. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really good sign. Quinn Hughes with his 12th
0: goal of the National Hockey League season. And, of course, he is in this uh, derby with Cale McCarr to be the leading scorer amongst defensemen in the National Hockey League. Hughes up to 57 points. McCarr sitting at 54 points. And we noticed it really from the first game this year that Quinn Hughes was not simply going to be an outside shooter or somebody who was content to create and then dish. That he was going to look for his own shot. Let's hear from Coach Talkit on it, and then we'll hear from Quinn himself, the captain.
3: That worked this summer, though. He was he worked. Uh, I mean, he was skating with his brothers in July. I remember talking to him, and he, he told me he was working on the, the the kind of push and then pull it. And uh, he's had, about, I think, about five of those goals in that same spot on that top shelf, short side. It's probably the hardest shot in hockey to hit, you know, uh, to hit that short side. He's hit five. Some guys take three years to hit that, and he's had five this year. So, yeah, that's that's a credit for him working how hard he worked in the summer on his shot. His shots, I bet you it's about 10 or 15 miles more harder than it was last year. So that's a credit to him. That and short. go ahead. And
1: I think that what he just mentioned about the miles per hour, I think that's what we all thought when we when we heard that Hughes was working on a shot. Oh, he wants to you know take right. it away from muffin status, and he has. But more importantly, since when did he become the pie plate guy hitting hitting the corners like that? Like Rick is absolutely right. that mm-hmm. he scored goals from that spot, and well, that, Rick's counted them five, and, and that's. You know those are the goals you know reserved for the very best sharpshooters in the league. I was going to say it may not be the prettiest goal
0: in hockey, but it's quite, it's still quite beautiful. And it's when you do it is uh, skillful, and it is skillful. And the other thing is that he's now got five. Now that's in other teams' heads, right? Like now, if you're a goaltender, you can't
1: cheat off that near post because he's good enough. To get it up above the shoulder and into that corner, and if he's doing, if the goaltenders are doing that, if they're going to be sealing that post to the nth degree when they see him dancing down that line, guess what? The guys that are in tu- exactly in front it. have got exactly Two thirds
0: of the net free. Well, and you create a a dilemma for the defenseman as well, yep. or, or the forward who who's on the check there. Do you steer him wide, knowing he can hit that spot, or do you have to protect against that? So. That's something I think will... But is he a good passer? Is, is, <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: Uh, here's Quinn himself on his shot. Trying to find those spots down low where I can um, score from there and instead of the wristers from 80 feet out where I'm um, hoping for a tip or whatnot or a really good screen, you know, there I can score and you see me score from there. So just trying to, you know, get aggressive and put myself in, in good positions where I can do that.
1: Yeah. Still amazed, too, It is his aggressive uh, play... Like, there's... On the defensive side, he he talked about aggression there offensively. Oftentimes, there's an easier play to make for him Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just being safe if he's getting forechecked. His nonstop motor with his legs, and and we know his edge work is great, but edge work is exhausting. And yet, even in the third period, if he's under the forecheck, he's just as comfortable spinning off a guy and using his own legs to get away rather than ringing, rimming it around to Ronica or whoever it is that he's playing with on the other side. The kid's just amazing.
0: Well, and I'll bring you back to a couple years ago, Blake, when we wondered on Hughes and Petterson in fact, wow, what marvelous players. Is this their peak? And to both of their credit, they have found ways to still get better, still improve, become better and more dangerous hockey players, particularly on the offensive end with Hughes. He's up to 57 points. I mean, there's a chance to get 60 here by the all-star break. For both of them, And and, and already four more goals than his previous
1: career high. For both of them, I think strength is a big part of it. I think we wondered for both of them. Okay, but can they... Can they actually get physically stronger? They're such slight guys
0: to begin with. Right. You can tell they're not frames that are going to... Put on a lot of weight,
1: deal with all of that. But they both did. Like, they both put on enough muscle Mm -hmm. and enough strength that they can withstand the rigors of the NHL and they can play 60 minutes in their style. And in Quinn's case, without losing the speed or the elusiveness as well.
0: Uh, Now, all that said, again, we're talking about this win and these performances with a grain of salt. Why is that? It's not just the lineup Chicago dressed Monday They've lost 17 straight games on the road. Not good. And they have scored just five in their last seven road games. So it truly is a glorified AHL team at this stage in the proceedings. Montreal Canadiens, better than the Chicago Blackhawks. That said, still a team that's in the bottom third of the National Hockey League and a team... That will be selling off parts by the March 8th trade deadline. Fantastic article today from Frank Saravelli on Daily Faceoff looking at Sean Monahan. And of course, this is the name that we have been talking about for the last few weeks here on Sakaris and Price with regards to trade deadline targets and the rental market. Monahan in the final year of his deal. At a very affordable price, too. In fact, you take a look at some of the rentals, quote unquote, like, for example, Adam Henrique in Anaheim, who we talked about Monday because he had the two goal game on Sunday. He's making $5.8 million. So the Canucks would have to do some degree of cap gymnastics to add a player like that, perhaps even if Anaheim retains 50 percent. We'll see where they are cap space wise closer to the deadline or at the time. Of, of these trades But in Sean Monaghan's case You're talking about a player who's making 1.8 million Against the cap And so that is pretty easy to just drop for In sure. your lineup 1.98 just under 2 That is pretty easy to drop right in your lineup Without any kind of Subtraction Frank thinks the Montreal Canadiens Are going to be able to get A late first round pick For Sean Monahan and making the uh, Note that they got a first round pick from Calgary for taking on the Monahan uh, contract when it was far more expensive. Wow. And now maybe getting a first round pick after rehabilitating the player who has been oft injured, not
1: this year. He's finally healthy on his way out the door. Don't tell Flames fans that Montreal will end up reaping two first oh round picks for Sean Monahan. <laughs>
0: what do you think? Is that something you would uh, do if you're in Rutherford and Alvin's shoes?
1: Um, there's worse moves to make. Yeah, uh, his versatility. Like I don't. He hasn't. He hasn't earned the right to just be a center. I mean, if he has mm-hmm. to get kicked to the wing for this reason or that reason, uh, if they do break up the lotto line, I think that he has to be okay with that. I think he would be playing on a first place team. Um, he's not. He's. Don't forget. He's. He's not a light. We we're just talking about frames. And he's. You know, bigger dude, uh, who's had a lot of success in the playoffs. I think he's twenty one. Points In 30 games in the playoffs in his career Um, 6'2", 202 pounds
0: Uh, I'll get us postseason stats here in a second Uh, Yeah, 21 points in 30 games Now, Frank does a deep dive into the player And it's instructive because this is a guy who has changed since his Calgary heyday And with good reason You can consider him an all-situations player, though
1: He kills, Uh, yeah
0: he's, He's... played both the bumper and the net front on the power play and of course that may fill a Vancouver need depending on where Kuzmenko goes from here he's not a primary penalty killer but he does it in part because he's such a good face-off guy in fact he's one of the best left-handed face-off guys in the league he's still a good passer he's a high percentage shooter he doesn't have a big shot from outside but he knows that and he doesn't is not take those opportunities. His shooting opportunities are a little closer to the blue paint. Uh, He's still a pretty good defensive player. He's 31 points. And the other guy that we've talked about, Elias Lindholm, the fine Calgary Flames centerman, who many would consider the big price of this deadline, is at 30. So he's outscoring a guy who may
1: fetch the single biggest price amongst the rental players. He's right on 31 points with Tarasenko, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, in terms of the biggest names being mentioned, right? he's there. Now, as Frank notes, this is not a guy who
0: plays physical anymore. And you wonder whether the injuries have got him shying away from that contact. He is one of the, uh I think he's somewhere in the 400s in terms of forwards in hits this year. So he doesn't
1: hit anybody. Mm-hmm. I think he's beating Goudreau, though, who has one hit well, on the league.
0: He, he, <laughs> one uh, hit. He's uh, the
1: skating is average, he's
0: not a burner, and of course, doesn't have a, a dangerous shot, isn't a complete offensive player by any stretch. And because of his injury history, I think you also have to ask yourself can he get through the 20, 30, however many games it's going to be, and then multiple playoff rounds without succumbing? To anything physical,
1: I'll, I'll say this though: um, you also become smarter as a as a player, and I, I do wonder if he's not consciously necessarily saving himself for the playoffs. But I think you just you end up finding yourself in that position. Like if Monahan finds himself in the playoffs, let's go down Fantasy Boulevard here. He's a Vancouver Canuck in the playoffs now as a top-ranked team, I think you're probably laying it all out there again. I don't think you're making business decisions anymore. I think you're probably engaging more physically than you did in January games for the Montreal Canadiens. Fair? He,
0: fair, but he just does it so infrequently now. But Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in terms of a, a late first-round pick, and Jim Rutherford has sort of hinted that that is oh. their preferred currency, Uh, I I, I think you do have to consider that, particularly if it's going to cost you a whole lot more to get Lindholm or Jake Gensel. Speaking of, Pittsburgh loses 5-2 in Arizona. Did you see the own goal? The Arizona Coyotes become the first club in National Hockey League history to score a power play goal without recording a shot on the power play. And the reason being, delayed penalty on the Coyotes with Pittsburgh killing a penalty. Goalie goes to the bench. Chris Letang drop pass to Evgeny Malkin. It deflects off his stick and
1: into the empty net. Now a little bit that almost it's going to be on every ad- blooper reel forever that, that is, it didn't almost happen to the Canucks last night but there was a skittish moment on a draw pass on a there daily was. penalty for the Canucks Quinn yes. awfully risky around yeah. his own empty yeah. net
0: and of course when we speak about own goals here in Vancouver yeah. we must note Louis Erickson yes in his first game as a Vancouver Canuck he never recovered from there never so Pittsburgh in what is a really tight. Eastern Conference playoff race, drops a second in a row, 48 points, five back of the second wild card with four teams to jump. They do have games in hand against some of those that they are pursuing.
1: Man, that is a race. And,
0: well, no, take a look. I mean, second place from the Metropolitan down, the Philadelphia Flyers at 56 points, 55 for the Hurricanes, 53 Detroit, 53
1: Tampa, 51 Islanders, Devils, Caps at 50, Pens at forty. I mean, you might laugh, but any level of hot streak from the Buffalo Sabres would bring them back into it. And they're third last in the conference. I mean, they're not that far out of
0: it. Kyle Dubas had previously said he was going to wait until the All-Star game to see where his team is at. But if this continues, it sounds very much like Jake Gensel and some Pittsburgh Penguins may be available. At the trade deadline,
1: but you just know because of the pedigree of the team that they're leaving, and the want to still surround Malkin and, and Crosby with some level of talent, that's going to be a, a a higher price to pay. And and there's just it, there's a higher in production right now from a guy like Jay Gensel than there is from a guy like Monaghan. And so the question becomes for the Canucks in their current situation with the assets that they have and don't have, and that is they don't have a huge cupboard. Do you bother? Paying the piper for a guy like Gensel, when I think you're still mm-hmm. improving your team by acquiring a guy at Monahan's cost, I, I, I don't exactly. think. I don't think you. The could difference be, between Monahan, Gensel, and Windholm, given the acquisition cost, right. could be significant. Right. Like I don't think if you just acquire Monahan, you, you'll you'll see people accusing the Canucks of not addressing forward needs. Right. Like it's you're addressing now. It. In Gensel's case, you're talking about a Stanley Cup
0: champion, right? Where the yep. other two guys, and, it, and that's got some currency with some managers and some scouts and some organizations. So, and needless to say, but a winger. The other, well, sure winger. True. The other thing is the old trading axiom. You know, you you better know a lot about the guy you're sending out because I assure you, you're going to know less about the guy you're bringing in. Right? They would have a very they good
1: Gensel, yeah.
0: book on Gensel. Yeah. We have seen all the ex Penguins joined this club since Rutherford and Alveen took over. Our friend John Shannon wants to make it a drinking game every time you hear the word Pittsburgh or Penguins on any kind of Vancouver-based if you missed it yesterday. sports yeah. program. Fair enough. I mean, we'd all be drunk. Uh, it happens a lot. Now, practice at Rogers Arena, and this was teased. We knew it was coming in January. But then of it course- disappeared. Oh. Well, but we they it's said the coming 23rd. in January, and we knew it had to happen this week because they got two more games left, and then they're on a break before also. So, Chrome helmets have arrived at Rogers Arena hmm. for pra- practice. We did wonder: is there any chance of green? And then people uh, people sleuthed the video and thought and found out: no, it's
1: going to be blue. Yeah, if you slow down, so down it's the a video, Chrome blue. It could be cool. I don't like the silver and the gold for the record. Nor do I. But because this is a color rather than, I guess the others are colors too, but you know what I mean. It's mm-hmm. just, it looks too, I don't know, too flashy. This The picture at least looks okay. So Well, put it this way. We have long
0: criticized the National Hockey League and its marketing efforts and not wanting to step out. I'll give them credit for this. This is arresting when you see it. The first time, Uh, I'm with you. I've uh, the Kings in particular. Oh, no bueno, but this is arresting. It may very well play with kids, it may very well play with certain crowds.
1: It's more muted, though. Like the gold and the silver is so blingy. that's it. It's so flat. This is more muted. I I find those
0: helmets distracting. Like, I'm not watching the hockey because they're so bloody distracting. I agree. I think the blue has a better chance of blending, yeah, into a hockey game. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they look either Wednesday against St. Louis or Saturday against Columbus. Have they announced a game yet for it, or does it stand a reason it's going to be the Blues game, the shiny blue? I don't think we have any shiny uh, blues against the FS Blues yet. Yeah,
2: that would make sense. I mean, they you see this with goalie gear; they usually break it in before the the next game or so. <laughs> Guys do it with the gloves too, right? So,
0: okay, well, want to say a big thank you. To everybody who commented and supported, it was fantastic seeing their positive feedback yesterday. In what began a new era of Sakaris and Price, we are back to live. Each and every day we'll be live on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Facebook starting at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. This is the evolution of the show from the very first Uh, Time, Blake and I got back together in February of 2021, or I guess it was March, and recorded something. April. Yeah. April for show. Well, April was the show, but in March of that year, we recorded something basically saying, look, our our show's coming back. Stay tuned. Also, understand it's going to be a different show than the radio show that you were accustomed to over 11 years. And this digital space, it moves fast. And so here we are back uh, on a live channel with you. And thank you to everybody who tuned in to the inaugural one yesterday. And please, uh, some patience with us. There's going to be some hiccups. There was one at the start of today's show with the music. There was one yesterday, in fact, a couple yesterday,
2: one with the cameras. I'm a walking and omission segment.
0: That's all right. We're giving you this week to get it all out of your system, Grady says. And then by next Monday, it's got to be perfect.
2: No pressure. None, absolutely. I was just basing the date on that beautiful piece of woodwork, yes, behind your shoulder there, Matthew. Well, that is from Shout Coach, out to Arbor Lee,
0: yes, and that uh, that one in particular is from Coach Kim, one of our longtime uh, listeners. Her and her husband do those beautiful, uh, these beautiful wall hangers. So, uh, yes, uh, we reconvened in the digital space in April 2021, so we're coming up on three years on that. And look, we started with a live stream and then what happened was more and more people just started listening to the podcast version of secure Some price. And so we just dropped the live stream and then it became apparent, Hey, this show has got to get back live and it's got to get back. uh, um,
2: It's got to get back on YouTube. And so- we, we should shout out everyone that's followed along with us the last uh, mm-hmm. two years or so now on YouTube, watching all of our videos, a lot of comments saying, why aren't you guys live on YouTube right. as well? And hey, here we so are. So we
0: heard you. Here
1: we are. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you very much. And we'll get to your, your listener feedback throughout the course of uh, mm-hmm. the live shows as we go along. Nick already saying looks decent the helmet. I don't think I like it as much as the matte black though. No,
0: which was who unique. Would? Yeah, who would? Thanks. So uh, just you know, there'll, there'll be some few changes and tweaks to the show now with this live element. For the most part, this opening block is going to be hockey, hockey, hockey. We'll deal with the football. We'll deal with the soccer and everything later in the program. Now, huge stories come up with the Lions or Whitecaps and what have you. We'll certainly bring them to this opening block. And of course, the summer comes around and and hockey typically goes away in August. So uh, so it'll be a little bit malleable. It'll morph. Yeah, a little yeah. bit malleable yeah. then. Uh, our first interview will always be on this live stream as well. It will follow the opening block, but there'll be much more on the podcast, including some of the features that you love. To the people we go is on the show today. Chance for you to feedback and get your comments and thoughts heard on the program. Hashtags the best and worst of, of Twitter.com. All of that is coming up. Uh, coming up on the live show, you'll hear a welcome mat. Sorry, coming up on the live show, you'll see Jeff Patterson coming up on the podcast. You'll hear a welcome mat followed by Jeff. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question of ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. They say some of the best trades are the ones you never make. The Vancouver Canucks can attest, only with a twist. The best trades they've made are the trade requests they didn't fulfill. Canucks continue to lead the NHL in wingers, Brock Besser, Connor Garland. Big reasons why. So bizarre. Because this time last year, if you'll remember, we were talking about which guy to trade and wondering if they were even tradable, given their expensive contracts. Now Besser's 27 goals, tied for seventh in the NHL, and he's off to the All-Star game in Toronto next month. He requested a trade last season in the midst of a, a dreary campaign when offense was a team staple, only not with him. His 18 goals in 74 games were the second lowest total of his career in a full season. But a strange thing happened this summer when Besser, taking cues from head coach Rick Tocchet, changed his off-season regimen, came back to camp in better shape, telling management he was happy to be in Vancouver, wanted to remain with the team. He's got buddies here. Then there's Garland. He needed a hat trick in the season finale last April to finish with 17 goals, and he looked to be a piece that simply wasn't going to fit here. He hadn't struck chemistry with any of the centers he played with. On the eve of this season, word broke that Garland had requested a trade too. Now, he would later dispute the trade request phrasing with an odd explanation that he changed his agent to facilitate the Canucks cap problem. Whatever. It was hard to blame him. Last year was filled with dysfunction, and his career was stalling out. Fast forward to Saturday. He's the best player on the ice in a 6-4 win over Toronto. All the hard work and quote-unquote staples, as had calls them, have finally translated to some production of late. He's up to eight goals, 16 assists. He's been a constant on that line, which has consistently outperformed its opposition. Hell, it's been good for two months. With 35 games to go, and then the playoffs, of course, there's still a ways to go with these players and with their respective stories. But so far, it's worth asking, where would the Canucks be without him? That's welcome out for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email live at com. You can text seven seven eight-four zero two ninety six eighty. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sakaris at Securus and Price. and welcome out a presentation of Great Clips, thirty seven salons in Vancouver and the lower mainland, all of them proudly Canadian owned and operated. I mean,
1: over the course of his career, Connor Garland is a a.59 points per game player. He started this season and he's about he's just shy of that. Just I shy think. of that. He's 0. 0.51 right now and that's in light of he had 5 points in the first 20 games R- of wow. the season.
0: And that's what I mean It's the, you know, as that line has gotten going, we talked about this on Monday show as well. I mean, it's the classic example of if you do the right things, the points will come. And the points have come here
1: over the last quarter of the season. 19 points in the last 27 games, mm-hmm. and that is a winger they can use. Oh, yeah. So, some Price from all Center Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Surrey has... The cars that you want, the cars that you need, and it has the all-timers of the Nissan lineup. So go check it out right now and get into the Nissan Rogue. Finance from 3.99%. You think winter's over? Beg to differ with you. Check in with a partner brand winter tire offer of $170 off. And you get a Nissan Rogue along with it. Uh, Check it out at Applewood Nissan.
0: In Surrey, it's all good at Applewood. Poll question, the Canucks and Bruins. Top two teams in the league. Do you want a Stanley Cup rematch? Yes or no. You can vote at Sikerson
1: Price on Twitter or YouTube. You want to start us off with hashtags? Sure. At Tom Bogert, the union representing MLS refs has unanimously voted to strike if there's no new labor agreement uh, with the MLS by January the 31st. Sources tell him labor stoppage feels almost certain One source puts it at 99%. MLS would use replacement refs if that happens. The responses to this tweet and others Mm. are pretty much (laughs) unanimous, and you can imagine (laughs) what they are. Especially in this town. Yes. After that playoff game against LAFC. Yeah, people uh, are not going to miss Tim Ford on the pitch. No. So I I, I think it was AFTN, who's a a local podcaster, um, and – they went over the history of uh, this in Scotland. The Scottish Premiership had a mm-hmm. work stoppage, and so they had to bring in Maltese refs and a, a few other countries. They borrowed refs, and it was determined quite emphatically that these refs were way better than the refs on strike. Yeah, and nobody wanted the old refs back. <laughs> So So you gotta be careful. Yeah,
0: exactly. Bob Nightingale, that'd be Nightingale. The Dodgers are adding depth to the starting rotation by signing veteran James Paxton of Ladner, British Columbia. Yes. To a one year contract, he'll receive a base salary of eleven million dollars with incentives. As we all know, it has been a torturous well, really half decade now. Yeah. For the big lefty. One time course through a no hitter at Rogers Center in Toronto as a member of the Seattle Mariners. He has not pitched a hundred innings since the twenty nineteen season when he was with the New York Yankees and won fifteen games. In fact he has pitched just twenty one innings since then in twenty twenty. Sorry, ninety-six innings last year, but there was twenty-one innings between the end of the twenty nineteen season and And the start of last year with the Boston Red Sox, he got to 96 innings last year in 19 starts, 64 and 38 all time. And uh, as someone who covered and chronicled his journey from being a Blue Jays draft pick at the University of Kentucky and then to the Mariners in that 20. Blake, he's 35 years old now. Is he really? Can't believe
1: that. Yeah. But he is 35 years old now. I'm going to read his biography. Because there's not many Canadians, no, not many players, period, who have played for New York Yankees, yep. Boston Red Sox, right? LA Dodgers, right? I hope he finishes with the Cubs so he can finish <laughs> off the Holy Quartet. But honestly, yeah. um, you know, he, overall, was he poised for more than what he's given so far? Yes, probably. Oh, if he stays healthy, Blake, goodness gracious, right? I mean.
0: I'm looking at his seasons between 2016 and 2018. He was exceptional. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. It's too bad, but he's still got stuff. I mean, you throw no hitter, you've got pretty good stuff. He's still gonna have a tale to tell at the end of all of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kyle Lowry's been traded. Everybody, yeah, Um, a key figure in the Raptors championship. Uh, He's been traded to Charlotte from the Miami Heat, who seemed to love him for the couple years that he was there. Uh, at Woe GSPN, the Hornets have no immediate plans to work on a buyout with Lowry and are expected to see if they can work another trade for him mm-hmm. before the February 8th deadline. Sources tell ESPN uh, it, Twitter went crazy when the trade happened because uh, two theories were floated, uh, a buyout. And he'd return to the Raptors a buyout, and he'd head to the Lakers as a you know part of the retirement plan there Mm -hmm. in in Los Angeles. But um, wow, you see a lot of those buyouts with older
0: players who go to contenders around the NBA.
1: Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if they can find Mm -hmm. it. I I mean, I think people probably just hold out, thinking, "Why am I going to trade for this guy if I can probably get him for free Mm -hmm. uh, later?" But uh, yeah, uh, it could be the end of the line here for Kyle Lowry. I would think this. I mean, he.
0: he has intangibles, mm-hmm. you
1: know, as uh, those who watch the Raptors follow the Raptors. He was a pretty likable player. Even if you weren't a that's Raptors fan and didn't cheer on that championship, I, I mean, he was a blood and guts kind of guy.
0: Well, and also uh, a little guy, you yeah. know, in in that sport who's who's made good. Is he under contract beyond this year, or is that it for him? I think he might be done. Yeah, no, that's it for him. Yeah. He's a UFA after this year, 37 years old. Pretty good trade for the Heat, though. Yeah. Um, Rosier's are pretty nifty yeah. player. Yeah, he's uh, useful for them. Okay, a few on Jason Kelsey. <laughs> Going back to Jason Kelsey? Yeah, man. in the uh, luxury suite at Buffalo, cheering on his brother. At Clarence Hill Jr., Cowboys corner Trevon Diggs was in Buffalo, rooting for his brother too. Of course, that being Stephon Diggs, Bill's wide receiver. But he kept his clothes on. To which an account calling itself can't hold me. Fuck was he going to do? Take off his shirt every time his brother dropped a ball? <laughs> <laughs> at drunk Phil's fans. My wife saw the picture of a shirtless Jason Kelsey last night and said, I love Jason Kelsey. He's awesome. But when I did this at Tommy and Cindy's wedding, I was an asshole with a drinking problem. <laughs> right. It's double standards. And then there's this Blake. I wanted to give the Swifties some time here today because I may have got it totally wrong with Jason Kelsey. You may recall I said yesterday was he trying to compete for like the camera time and the attention in the suite at Swift Army 1989. <whistles> Molly who says she is what she is today because of Taylor Swift's music? That right. is in her Twitter bio. Yeah. I feel like Jason Kelsey did all of that Sunday night to take the heat off Taylor. And honestly, I love him for that. Is it possible that Jason Kelsey went, okay? Hostile road environment. There's already been a lot of backlash about the number of times there's cutaways to her in the suite.
1: I'll give them new cutaways. I'm
0: going to act a fool. I'm going to do everything I can so that Taylor can just enjoy the game with my wife, his wife was there, and others, and not be the center of attention in that suite.
1: I mean, it's very possible. That they seem like very thoughtful guys, and, and uh, uh, I do like them a lot. Um, it might be that he just wanted to have a good old time. It might
0: be that he was just <laughs> drunk and not really. yeah on that level I don't know that analytically we need to i mean so he much was he was tailgating with bill's mafia in the
1: parking lots of orchard park yeah he got after it early he sure did now, i'm gonna guess I mean, that you body don't, you don't get shirtless in that sort of weather unless you get after it early i'm gonna guess that body metabolizes alcohol pretty well uh-huh so yeah, I, it, I think his tolerance is probably he probably start early and finish strong mm-hmm. um but... although
0: in season who knows you know he might have have gone dry or he's on, he's on the line.
1: He their their leanness is not quite the same as the no, cornerback. Uh big news in streaming. Oh boy is there ever. Netflix has nabbed WWE Raw in a 5 billion with a B dollar deal. I can't believe Raw is and that's just Raw as a standalone, right? Like that's not the entire
0: that's w- not WWE. That's not WWE. No, that's that show. That's just Monday Night Raw.
1: Yeah. Um, it starts in January 2025, so we're a year away um, at AHB Seaborn, Adam Seaborn, friend of the show. Massive deal as Netflix officially gets into live sports, quote-unquote sports, I think. I believe this will mean the end of WWE on Sportsnet in Canada starting in 20. 20- 25 yes the deal does include canada he goes on to say losing wwe to netflix creates a significant hole in Sportsnet's schedule wwe filled lots of primetime hours and actually generated great male 18 plus ratings um here's can here's how i can bring some usefulness back to this for a non-wrestling fan this is a lot less money for sportsnet to make to buy hockey this is a big hole, yeah. in the lineup. They're gonna want hockey to fill the hours, right. But they have a lot less revenue to buy said hockey now. Well, it's an interesting play for
0: Netflix too because you know, as opposed to having to go out there and create your own content, and of course, some of those shows can run very, very expensive and you don't know if they're hits or not. Yeah. This is as as, you, as Adam says, jumping into live sports entertainment uh, at a pretty significant price point. Grady, help me out, because you're a more wrestling guy than me. I know CM Punk is back. Who's
2: the biggest star in WWE right now? Is it Oof. Roman Reigns? Yeah, I'm I'm not a wrestling guy anymore. Oh,
0: I thought you were I the know wrestling the guy.
2: I know The Rock. I used to be. Well,
0: it's funny, because The Rock is joining the board of the company yeah. that owns UFC.
2: I know he and- came back to an event recently. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, he sure did. So did Cena, too, didn't he? Cena's yeah, the back. Randy Orton's so. still wrestling. Oh my gosh. Now
1: correct me if I'm wrong because I joined wrestling way before the division into different days and shows. SmackDown is a different roster than W yeah. than Raw. Like they don't intertwine much
2: if at all. They I'm pretty sure they do these like draft shake ups where they just yes, they send do the drafts. rosters. And then on and up.
1: then on, on the big day uh, what do they call it? WrestleManias, do they cross paths there? Yeah. Yeah they okay. have both Although it seems
0: to me at WrestleMania they, they reach back into the history and bring a lot of the old favorites back and mm-hmm. try and bring celebrity. Um, L.A. Knight? Is that his name? <laughs> I don't know. Craney? Never met him. Never. I don't know. You're yeah.
2: asking the wrong guy.
0: I, I know Cody Rhodes because he's part of the Seth Rollins family. right?
2: Yeah, I just. Um, who's the it, guy that Boudreaux is doing? Kevin yeah, Owens. Kevin Owens. I know uh, Boudreau is big on Kevin um, what an
0: industry, though, honestly. Uh, Sheamus, uh, the Irish guy, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, I mean, I didn't necessarily perceive that WWE was at its height or that in demand anymore, uh, particularly since, like, AEW has been kind of a success story. Right, Grady? Yeah. Like, they have carved a toehold uh, into in the wrestling
2: audience. Right. Logan Paul's in the WWE now. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, that's he right. Was, he, was he, in Vancouver. he was
0: taunting Vancouver. Yes, yeah. That's
1: right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was that was that was, was, was SmackDown here though, right? That was SmackDown. Right. Yeah.
0: That that was that was uh, quality uh, though uh, when he was teasing all the Canucks fans at Rogers Arena and getting it from the faithful. Okay, is that hashtags for today? It that's is. hashtags for today. Wides, Jeff Patterson is our Canucks reporter, and Jeff, have we reached the stage where we can start complaining about the entertainment value of victories?
4: <laughs> I think so. I mean, look, that is a glorified AHL roster. We all know that the Conor Art storyline went away a month ago, and and that was disappointing, obviously, on a lot of levels. But Blackhawks try. I mean, the guys that are in uniform, they're trying the best they can, but they've just got absolutely nothing there, and against the backdrop of what we saw and felt and experienced on Saturday, uh, really night and day. So in some ways, it's a little unfair that that game came on the heels of, you know, one of the, the most exciting games of the season against the Leafs on Saturday. But uh, you play them as they're on your schedule. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Canucks are 2-0 and against the Blackhawks. Everybody's taking points off the Blackhawks. So uh, the Canucks did what they had to do. But if we're going to grade the Vancouver Canucks against the level that they've established and take into account the talent disparity on the two sides, that was far, far from the Canucks' best effort of the season last night.
1: Do you think Rick Tockett was harder on them behind closed doors than he was with you guys? Because he was pretty moderate. Like, he, I think he chose his words carefully in front of you guys, but do you think he was harder on them?
4: I, I think he is. I think he has established a standard and they know when, like, You know, I wasn't expecting ten to one, and and it's hard to argue with the two nothing lead six minutes in, and really the first twenty minutes. But you know, we have seen some teams claw back recently. Like Pittsburgh came all the way back from a two goal deficit. Uh, Canucks won that game in overtime. But Columbus, at the end of the road trip, they reeled the Canucks in. The Leafs the other night after a a three nothing lead. So you know, against a better opponent, if the Canucks played the way they did in the second period, I think that they would have invited trouble. But again, context matters, and your fans one of the worst teams in the league with the worst power play and a team that just cannot score goals. So they were probably safe at 2-0, but just totally disconnected in the second period. Like they they had they spent way too much time in their own zone. They had trouble Ah, uh, completing passes on the breakout, and then took uncharacteristic penalties as well. Right, Sam Lafferty puts the puck over the glass. The too many men penalty. Like they just seemed off in that second period, and maybe it was as simple as uh, you know the letdown from beating the Leafs and then getting a comfortable two nothing lead. But it it did feel like they took their foot off the gas, and you know if they do that against uh, twenty of the 32 teams in the league they may not have found themselves cruising in the third period they may have been right back into a a tie hockey game but uh, did what they had to do against the Blackhawks but my sense is that Rick Tockett knows when his team is on and you know he didn't have uh, particularly high praise for the lotto line and nor should he I mean they had two shots on goal uh Pedersen and Miller each had one and Brock Besser didn't have a single shot on goal so uh, you know, and that's not an isolated incident. That's been a couple of games now. They need more from those guys, but uh, at the end of the night, they've got a goaltender that's not giving up much right now, and they get enough offense regardless who the opponent is.
0: 17 straight losses on the road for Chicago. Mm. That is quite a mark. You know, he, he was asked pregame, are you worried about this being a trap game? And he said, I'm not because we're, our second period against Toronto was so poor that he thought the guys were focused. And
4: yeah, I thought those were Yeah, I thought those were really interesting comments uh, at the morning mm-hmm. skate on Monday, where he said, "I thought we were cocky." It, that was his word, mm-hmm. cocky against the Leafs, and then he said a little humble pie, and he thought that that would help focus his group. That you know, even though it's the Blackhawks, you know, you just can't allow yourself any lapses. So again, I, I think he's cracking the whip behind closed doors. I think he's keeping his team in line, and they've established a bar for themselves. I think they know that they didn't get away with one again because they jumped all over the Blackhawks early, but uh, they are going to have to play more complete 60 minute efforts uh, over the balance of the season.
0: Kuzmenko with two points, his first point since December 23rd against San Jose. How much of that do you think And out there protecting a two goal lead in the final minute? um, Do you think he would have been protecting a lead against another club and how much of it being Chicago do you think led to? finally snapping the schneid here
4: look the effort was there i I don't want to discount what andre kuzmenko did because uh, far too often the conversation has been about why was he benched is he gonna play next game uh he dug in and that pass was sensational and you see that and you think how in the world could this guy not have had an assist since november 15th like it makes no sense and then he goes out and five minutes later he gets a second one but uh you mentioned two words there matt san jose so i went back and i looked And the last four multi-point games for Andre Kuzmenko this season, Chicago, San Jose, Ottawa, and San Jose in that 10-1 romp, uh, you know, you have to keep that in mind. Like... you can't just feast when the getting is good, and that seems to be what he's doing. But again, I, I just like he was invested, you know, on the Quinn Hughes goal. It's a second assist, but the work that he does down low to win his battle sure. and protect the puck and those types of things, like not every second assist is equal. And so that's why I say I don't want to make this sound like a slight on under Everybody's been wanting where are the points? Well, he produced points last night. He was in on both of their goals, but. Uh, there are better teams out there than the Chicago Blackhawks. And so I do think, uh, you know, it's, it remains an open file as far as, you know, when can he step up? When can he pull on the rope in the right direction to help this hockey club? But yeah, I mean, absolutely. And talk it sad afterwards, like a bit of a nod, just to, a bit of a test case as well. Their 2 nothing lead was safe in the final minute. The Hawks were not going to mount a furious comeback. And so I like the fact, a little love there at the end, put him out in that situation, see what he can do. He was fine. He complimented him for the way that he uh, surfed. Uh, as he said, uh, on one of the Blackhawk players, just to, you know, keep him at arm's reach and make sure that he didn't get away uh, and create anything there. So uh, a step in the right direction. Let's go with that for Andre Kuzmenko and uh, a, a wild assist. I mean, that was uh, terrific stuff. And you know, if Pia Suter had missed that one, um, you know, uh, it, that would have been on Pia Suter. It would have been on Andre Kuzmenko.
1: I should have got one uh, later oh. in the game as well. Um, the, uh, the ice time in the end for the lotto line is exactly what it, it deserved to be. But I do wonder, I was suspicious about the start of the game and their usage in the first place um, with how low their ice time was. Didn't see them really for the first seven minutes of the hockey game. Uh, and I almost wonder, and I'm looking ahead now to the usage of the goaltenders. He he mentioned that Casey DeSmith's going to play in one of these next two games. Maybe do they call up Archer Seeloffs or do you call up somebody and give – Demko the full night off maybe in the final game before the break to try to give Demko a break because he's going to the all-star game like I I wonder if he told the lotto line before the game I'm not going to play you guys much in this game hopefully we get an early lead and I'm going to try to give you guys a rest because it certainly seemed like he made a concerted effort with no special teams involved to keep them on the bench in the first half of that first period.
4: Yeah, I think there may be some of that. I think also just the way that uh, guys like Hoaglander and Garland had played against the Leafs. He said that he wants to you know, get them into a regular rotation, and the fact that there wasn't special teams allowed him to roll four lines there. Uh, he's got a pretty good feel on when that lot of line is going, and, and they weren't going last night. It was interesting. I thought one of their early shifts, they were out there with Hughes and Myers, and it took the Canucks four separate attempts just to break the puck out of their own zone, and when they finally did – essentially it was 35 or 40 seconds of lotto line time that was wasted and so it shows the importance of getting the puck out of your own zone get it to your you know your difference makers up front and they they kind of felt like a mid-January game against Chicago like I don't think that they were as invested as they have been recently and as they would have to be against better opponents but you know kind of quietly here with all that's going on and all the winning the goal-scoring hero, Brock Besser, has kind of hit a wall here for the first time. Now, did we expect that he was going to score at the pace he did up until Christmas? No, but he also has three goals in his last 13 games, and two of them came in the same game against Pittsburgh. So he's only scored in two of the last 13 Canuck games. Uh, obviously, Pettersson has taken over some of that load, Garland and other guys. But you know, like Brock's going to get to 30. I'm not the least bit concerned, but 40? uh you know he's gonna have to get back on that horse again here so uh they just need all those guys uh, and they were good in the third period on the power play against the Leafs and came through when the chips were down there but uh yeah I mean I kind of felt like they wandered through a pretty sleepy game against Chicago as for goaltending thought it was fascinating in my mind went to the rink at the morning skate just assuming it was going to be a Casey DeSmith start against the lowly Blackhawks but I think the decision to go with Dr. Demko kind of fell in line with those comments that we talked about earlier about being cocky and maybe disrespecting opponents. I think the messaging from the top, if you throw your back up against the team, like the Blackhawks is easy night here, guys. We think we can get by with less than our best here. And so I think it was, we're going to go with Thatcher Demko chance for him to pat his stats. And ultimately he did that with his fifth shutout, but I wouldn't be sh- shocked at all. If they come back with the Smith, even off a of Demko shutout against the blues who beat the Canucks at the start of that seven game road trip. And with that same reasoning that maybe by starting your backup, you snap your team to attention a little bit more and hope that they dig in and play better as they have all season when Casey DeSmith has been in there. So we'll wait until Wednesday for a goaltending decision. Uh, the coaches on the record are saying DeSmith will get one of these games. Uh, I'm kind of leaning to him getting the nod against the Blues on Wednesday night.
0: I uh, saw you're standing on the table demanding Neil Soglander get some power play time, as I think many are off that two-goal performance in Toronto. You take a look at where he's at. You take a look at Kuzmenko, and again, it's San Jose, but let's say that he's on his way up after hitting the depths. Do they have that top six guy they're apparently out on the market looking for in-house, Jeff? Do you think, is that something you'll be watching between now and the March deadline, whether or not either of these guys can get into that top six and be that piece that management seems to think they're missing?
4: Oh, I think they need a piece on top of what they've got on this current roster. And I think that the Andre Kuzmenko situation is, you know, we give him his flowers for last night, but I think that's going to be ongoing. And I think it's going to be uh, directly related to the level of opponent and sort of the battle level of the games that they find themselves in. Uh, there'll still be some nights where his ice time is diminished in third periods, I think. And, and Nils Hoaglander has been incredible in that fourth line role. And the coach kind of feels, I think, that that's where he's best slotted right now. You know, he's fourth on the team in goals, though, with 14, and they've all come at even strength. So I, I get that the second unit doesn't get a lot of ice time and they don't score when they are out there generally. But I just think that, Hoagla- like, what's the argument? And it's a question I have to put to Rick Dockett here at some point soon is just what is the argument about Like, your second line, your second unit hasn't scored a power play goal since November. Now, the top unit, uh, when it's on, it's on. And as we saw against Toronto, top unit can be difference makers So, you know, this isn't going to revolutionize the look of the Vancouver Canucks, but it just feels like a little shine for uh, a guy like Nils Hoaglander who has performed so well. Plus, you know, he knows where the net is. And so why wouldn't you? Like, what's the downside of giving him a little bit of love and giving him the, you know, the scraps that that second unit gets instead of a Sam Lafferty or a Ilya Mikheyev Mm -hmm. or, you know, Garland's not coming off there, but Connor Garland doesn't score a power play goal this season. So, you know, any of those guys, it's impossible for them to, Say, oh, they're you know you, you can't move them off the second unit because they don't score. Why wouldn't you try a guy that's got 14 goals for you all at even strength?
1: McCaev looked a little more engaged last night as well, um, which is why maybe he got one of the looks there on the power play. But they're they're rotating that fifth guy, right? I mean, uh, if somebody's trying to stake a claim uh, that fifth spot on the first unit seems to be up for grabs.
4: Yeah, and P.S. Suter's not the answer. I mean, nope. in a short term, he's not going to hurt you, so I don't have an issue with them putting them in there, but I still, if Kuzmenko's in your lineup, I'd still go back. Like I you would think too. of the power play yeah. that was 33% through the first 15 or 16 games of the season, and Kuzmenko was a part of it, like that group can hum. And so if Kuzmenko is in your lineup, I still would have him back on the top unit. And then, you know, Pia Suter scored a power play goal in Montreal, I think it was on the 12th of November. That's the last forward to score power play goal for that second unit. Philip Hironik, uh cashed in a little later on there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like it should be open auditions. And if that's the case, then how can Hoaglander not at the very least be mm-hmm. part of this rotation? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And you've not lost anything, but, you know, maybe you gain a couple extra power play goals somewhere along the line from a guy that has scored 14 uh, at even strength so far this season.
0: How big a loss is Carson Soucy over the next five or six weeks?
4: Yeah, I I think uh, significant. And they were playing with borrowed money on uh, the health situation. And, you look at the Blackhawks and some of these other teams that uh, have been hit hard by the injury bug, and the Canucks haven't. Unfortunately for Carson Soucy, he's sort of taking up their uh, allotment. His third time on the shelf, the first one was only a couple of games, but then, uh, you know, missed the time from mid-November up and through uh, uh, the start of that last road trip. And here now we're saying five or six weeks was the uh, diagnosis from the coach yesterday. It sounds like a broken knuckle. And, yeah, I mean, he's just a calming influence out there. He's not spectacular. He's rarely going to be a star, but, uh, you know, plays the system, the, the Canucks, the, the way that they want. He's a big part of the penalty kill. Noah Juleson has done a nice job there, and this is going to be another run for Noah Juleson. And so, uh, you know, the value of having depth that can step in and play, and Julson was fine uh, last night against Chicago, and he's been fine when he's been in there. But uh, I just think... For Carson Soucy, he's long, he's rangy, he's disruptive. That's one of the things I think he does really well, and it's kind of understated on the penalty kill, is denying entries and forcing teams to regroup in the neutral zone and just take time off the clock that way. And he is very good at standing his ground, you know, and, and then either forcing them to try and dump the puck in, which they generally don't want to do on the power play, or look for other entry avenues. So... um yeah, I, I, you know, if there's a positive spin, it's the fact that once they get through Columbus on Saturday, you know, ten full days off. So if it is going to be five weeks, at least ten of those days not game action for the Vancouver Canucks. It's not the the meat of their schedule, but you know they would like Carson Soucy in there, and when he gets back, you know, fingers crossed for him that the uh, third time is in fact the charm. That uh, no more injuries, and that because uh, they're going to need him down the stretch, obviously, and into the playoffs. Um.
0: St. Louis Wednesday, Columbus Saturday. Chances they sweep the homestand, 5-0. and What are yeah, they up against I mean, this week?
4: Pretty hard to bet against them. Uh, just the way that they're playing right now defensively, uh, you know, the Leafs game kind of standing as the outlier, uh, coming off a one nothing win in Buffalo and a 2-1 win over Arizona and a 2 nothing win now against Chicago. You know, they are finding ways to grind out these low-scoring games, and that was something that they just couldn't do under Bruce Boudreau. They could score goals, but they couldn't prevent goals and winning the the low-scoring games. I think last night was the fifth time already this season that they have won when scoring two or, or fewer goals. Like that's just a win that the Canucks didn't have uh, in their back pocket under the previous coach. Now, some of that's goaltending. Uh, you can't win the low-scoring games if you're giving up three. And so Thatcher Demko locked in right now with his five shutouts. And remember, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Like shutouts were his bugaboo. Like he could turn in a great performance, but one somehow would sneak past him. And right now he's tied for the league lead with his fifth shutout of the season. And he is just on an absolute roll, like uh, his master career best with seven straight victories. Uh, you know, he, he's looking. Uh, and again, I know the Leafs got four on him, but in that third period when they needed the Canucks, uh, or when the Canucks needed goaltending, uh, he rose to the occasion. So, yeah, the idea of them sweeping the homestand look, they're sitting on 68 points, guys. If they get one win out of these next two games, and I think they will, they will guarantee themselves 70 plus points at the all-star break, which like it, it just, there are so many stats on a nightly basis that come out of these Canuck games, but the idea of them having 70 points, it wasn't that long ago. They had a 69 point season and we're talking about 70 points here at the all-star. They
1: pass the cut. If they sweep them, they pass, or they, they come close to passing a second season. Um, in addition to the one you just mentioned. And I also just think it would be so amazing for them to sweep this homestand and further frustrate the Oilers, who mm-hmm. will win every single game they play, and will still look up and go, "We've gained no ground on this team ahead of us yeah. because they've been just as hot." It's uh, it's been incredible.
0: Let me uh, let me ask you this, Jeff: a fantastic piece from Frank Saravelli breaking down Sean Monahan, one of the available rentals at this deadline, uh, suggests that Montreal can look to get a first round pick, late first round pick, back for Monahan, which, of course, we suspect the Canucks. First round pick will be late. What do you think? Would you give up a late first for Monahan?
4: I I, I would take a long hard look at uh, at the player. I have to admit, guys, like did Sean Monahan. Find a time machine somewhere. Like honestly, I thought he was thirty three years old. Like he just—he's been around forever. He's only twenty nine now. His body has uh, taken some some bumps and bruises. But when I looked at his as a twenty nine, like yeah. this guy feels like he's just been at this. And we saw him so often, obviously, uh, in his years in Calgary. So uh, that part surprised me. And on a Montreal team that uh, you know struggles to score goals on a lot of nights, he's having a decent offensive season. So um, I, I think they could do worse than Sean Monaghan. And I, 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 he would be on my list of players, certainly, to continue to kick tires on. Uh, let's give the Canucks Pro Scouting Department a ton of credit here. They've barely missed this year. And so I think fans have to put their trust in, you know, if this management group is going in, they're doing it on the advice of uh, the guys that are out there, the bird dogs that are you know scouring the bushes and keeping an eye on all these close players, obviously the ones with Pittsburgh ties, you know, management's got some first-hand knowledge, but uh, I do think that sort of a, an underrated part of this Vancouver Canucks season is the work that the scouting, the professional scouting staff has done, and we know in years gone by that that's been a massive downfall. So uh curious to see, but yeah, right now, I think Sean Monahan would absolutely remain on my list of players uh, to keep yeah. an eye on. Pretty, pretty uh, good
1: playoff producer, too, in well, uh, his history. As we
0: mentioned, he's outscoring Elias Lindholm this year to date Really, we huh? on Tuesday. Last question, Jeff. It's our poll question. Uh, The Canucks victory, the Bruins victory over Winnipeg means the two best teams in the league by points and points percentage, your Vancouver Canucks and the Boston Bruins. Are you up for a Stanley Cup rematch?
4: (laughs) Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, if that means the Canucks are going to the Stanley Cup final, uh, sure, and then roll the dice against uh, a very good Boston team. But it is funny, Blake, you mentioned like You know, everything the Canucks are doing here and the Oilers must be pulling their hair out. And here are the Vancouver Canucks after this dark decade. They find themselves at the top of the NHL standings. And who's right there with them? It's the Boston, the big bad Boston Bruins yet again. So the Canucks can't seem to escape the Boston Bruins uh, when they're having their good seasons. But, I mean, the storylines would be so rich. Uh, The banter, if we can call it that, between the two markets would be incredible. Incredible. So yes, I mean, I love theater and drama and you couldn't get a whole lot more, uh, save for maybe the Canucks and the Maple Leafs, uh, meeting in the, in the Stanley cup final, but, uh. Yeah, I mean, you can't pick your opponent, obviously. And if the Canucks can get to the Stanley Cup final against Boston, it means that they somehow have outlasted Edmonton and Vegas and Colorado. And so, yes, a thousand times, yes, uh, I would sign up for a Canucks versus Boston. That
1: Marchand guy is still there, too, last check. So there is there, there is still a little bit of revenge factor, yeah. at least on one guy. Well, as long as they
4: don't add uh, Chara and Bergeron at the deadline. That's, uh,
1: <laughs> that's right. Not
0: only is that Marchand guy still there, but now the Canucks have the big Z.
1: Oh, yes. I Talk guess he called him that on Saturday, right? Or uh, last week. So does that mean free cross checks in front? You never know. Uh, just don't
0: poke the bear. Fun stuff. Thanks for this, Jeff. Catch up Friday.
4: All right, guys. Thanks.
0: Oh, to the people. To the people. We, let's, yes. let's go to those people. Shall we I have to go to the people and miss the people there? It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people
1: we go and to the people we go as always presented by our friends at finning cat improve productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on go to finning.com and check out their extensive inventory on new used and rental equipment to find the right solution to meet your unique needs if you need a part never been easier with finning cats online service invest in the future of your business check out the latest at finning.com Both
0: Colin and Planning and Suri Ryan are ready to move on from Kuzmanko. Colin says the healthy scratch trick only works so many times. Uh, Ryan says it's not that he's just a defensive liability. He's lost all his offensive mojo, too. Of course, that was before the two-assist game Monday against the Chicago Blackhawks. On the Pedersen extension, Hyper Rabbit on YouTube. It's going to be disruptive if one of your coworkers gets a 50% raise during the middle of the year out of the blue. Is it? I don't. I don't think so. Not in an NHL dressing room with a player of
1: this caliber. No, he's like their cornerstone. They're going to be like, yeah, thank God he's going to be around long term. Blue Manderson, he said he wanted to win. We're a team that's on the uprise and our window
0: is opening. He's loved it here. He's one of our top guys. Why would he want anything less than that? Sure, money, but honestly, it'll be his loss if he decides to leave. Being appreciated weighs more than just money in his opinion. Uh, With Frankie Corrado, we were talking about, well, the lotto line and, and whether or not there was um, a better way to deploy the forwards. Granger says, who can center Kuzmenko and Mikheyev internally switch Suter and Bluger exchange wingers. It's worrisome that Kuz and Mick dragged PD down. Would Miller make that line work?
1: Gosh, I I don't think we're at that point where you start to really put this into a blender. I, 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 uh, and 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 Pugh Suter and Teddy Bluger, I mean, they're third- and fourth-line wingers in their careers. I don't think they become second-line wingers all of a sudden.
0: Tell me I'm wrong from Adam, the former bath guy, after the Bills lose to the Chiefs, Sean McDermott fired and replaced by Jim Harbaugh. Haven't heard any of that talk yet, Adam, although McDermott, you do have to wonder— can he win the big one and that fake punt decision to DeMar Hamlin? Oof. In your own half. I mean, I, I realize he got bailed out with the Hardman fumble and and but wow. I mean But as many if po- you're gonna take a big risk in the fourth quarter against Kansas City, do it with Josh Allen, not a fake punt to DeMar Hamlin, which was totally telegraphed because Hamlin moves right beyond the right behind the center. Well, also pre-snap.
1: It, it, that was like a fourth and two punt. Fake punt, you know, like I think they needed six or seven I on the play. I thought it was fourth and six. Yeah, like, the, like yeah. Then, you're yes. then, then, yeah, then you are
0: passing. Yes. Yeah. No, if you are going to take a shot, roll Allen out there with your best play,
1: or or have Demar Hamlin throw the ball. You know, O-box. like if you want to go. Oh God. No, you know, no, like. I don't know. But running off center, like that's o- not o- going to work. The Wally Buono rule
0: applied there. Like you know, sometimes a trick plays, you are tricking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cam and Cam loops. Connor Ingram. He takes the Canadian starting job, mid-best-on-best tournament, and he holds it for a generation.
1: For a generation. Wow. Wow, That's some hot take, Cam. How old is he? We'll rename Cam Loops just Cam, if you're right. How about that? Is he, um,
0: he's 97 born, so he's, he's he'll be 27 next month. Yeah. Yeah. Basketball fill with a hot take. The Raptors use one of their three first round picks on Zach Eady. The thing about the Raptors, if they finish bottom six, they get to keep their pick. It's top six protected. If not, they owe it to San Antonio. Mm. But now they have these Indiana picks. They use one of their first round picks on Zach Eady. That's the Canadian center at Purdue and the defending collegiate national player of the year who's probably going to win it a second time. They use another on Brawny James and then bring
1: LeBron to Canada. (laughs) That is a sizzler. I am ready to sizzle that. Oh, God. There's no way it's happening. It's ridiculous. But the fact that he typed it out is, is good enough for me. And knowing Phil with the straight face, too. Oh, God. I hope he was grinning the whole way. I can't sizzle it.
0: I'll go hot, though, because I'm amused by it. Grady, break the tie. Hot, hot, hot. There you go. Graham from Hardy, tell me I'm wrong. The penalty review time limit in the NHL should be down to two minutes. If the refs of the war room don't see a definitive difference to call back a penalty within two minutes, then the call on the ice stands.
1: Yeah. Others have had similar takes before Graham and, and couldn't agree more. Like it's, uh, you got to be able to see it and see it quickly. You're getting the second look. Make the decision.
0: Cody says, without uh, Petey and Ronick on new contracts, I think it would be disastrous to chase high price RFAs and UFAs at the deadline with the hope of signing them. Creates cost uncertainty going forward, complicates negotiations with those pending RFA's and UFA's, and uh, and others too, and has high acquisition costs. The Canucks need to prioritize re-signing top shelf players and trading for pure rentals. Chasing someone like Gensel is tempting, but doing so with an eye to resign him is a step backwards. Acquire rentals and accept that Zadorov and others will be gone next year. Yeah, I mean, there's a case for that. That's uh. Jeff has articulated something along those lines.
1: Jason and Clover, don't tell me I'm wrong outside of the trades and hiring talk. at Rutherford's best action is keeping the chairman's hand out of the hockey ops oh, cookie jar. For
0: sure. Right so right, Mayor of Wrightville. Right. Although
1: this has always been the case, folks, is that when the going is good, yes, they do take a step back. Mm-hmm. It's when there's adversity that all of a sudden uh, the knocks on the door and the or phone Or when sir. there's a weak hockey chief who will allow that to happen. Has there been many weak hockey chiefs? Well, when Benning was there oh, with no well, Trevor Linden. Yeah, but that, they also had adversity too, so it was a double, double factor.
0: Tell me I'm wrong. The Canucks are proof that in the NHL can turn a fringe playoff team into a Stanley Cup contender without major surgery and that the traditional five-year-old plan to slowly build a team is becoming extinct. The Canucks plan has gone out the window, and who better than Rutherford to course-correct on the fly? That's from Omar.
1: Yes and no. Um, I, I think you have to also give the Canucks that – Um, they hit on a you know it was ten years of losing almost, and they did just by being around accrue enough first round picks that they that they hit on enough to 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 make a core. Mm -hmm. It wasn't their plan, but they but they lost for long enough that they did establish a core or
0: gathered assets like Bo Horvat that they were able to flip for ready made NHL assets. Here's the thing, Omar: you may be well. You may well be right with a five contender yeah. in a single season. The slow build is still the best way to build a perennial contender.
1: But I'll also give them that five years might be long. It might be too long now. Like it, you might be able to do it in three.
0: Well, particularly if the cap is going up and you can spend free agent dollars a little more wisely. That's right. Yeah. Like take a look at Buffalo Blake, who are down again this year and likely to miss the. Stanley Cup playoffs for yet another year, and I don't know
1: if... But they just don't acquire talent outside of the draft. That's all they've done is draft. They haven't done anything else.
0: They signed the wrong free agents in a lot of cases. But you look at Buffalo going forward with all this young talent, and with this cap going up, because remember, they were quick to re-sign some of these young guys, right? And get them on what they think is... So they're looking at, about 25 million in space next year with not a lot of not a ton of important RFAs or UFAs to re-sign. So they should be able to not only re-sign their guys but go on out there and make a splash in free agency.
1: Uh where are we going here? Uh reaction of John Shannon. Mm. Um we're talking about Hoaglander. He's on pace for 26 goals and has a brought a breath of fresh air to the fourth line. He's someone who you can slot anywhere in the bottom nine, which is hard to find. slim, did I say who that was from? That was from OK Moomer. Uh, slim, if Hoaglander was 29, I'd be OK trading him. But he's still young with lots of potential. I'd rather trade our late first than him. Mm. I think that will be the first thing to go. I, I would bet the yes. first shooter drop is the first rounder.
0: And if not, it's because they've got squeezed and they agreed to yeah. moving one of the prospects.
1: Hey, the, uh, you do have to sell something. This is, No one is chasing a Hoaglander out of town. You do have to give up quality, though, mm-hmm. to get quality.
0: I got one more I want to read. Do you see anything else there? No, you know, fire okay. away. Um, this is from Matt Blom, 3990 on YouTube. He caught our Michael auto interview Monday. He said... Just curious if any non-Vancouverites stumbled onto this show and listened from outside of BC. I've been listening since I was in college, and now I'm S and S&P, quite the tenure now. Yeah, not all in this form, but yeah, in well, some form or another. To answer your question, Matt, yes, a lot of expat British Columbians, Vancouverites tune in from abroad on podcasts, check out our YouTube, and of course now live on YouTube. But I got to correct you. Unless you were in college at a later age, Matt. We haven't been going for like 16, 17 years. Maybe, mere, maybe it's grad mere, school. Merely 12. I was going to say it's going I hope it's grad school. I hope you're a doctor now, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison some price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group you can text us 778-402-9680 it's the Great Clips text message inbox Great Clips it's going to be great This somehow escaped a lot of attention in part because it was buried in the 13th paragraph of a story on 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy from author Wick, Nick Wagner But he's doing a piece on Brock Purdy, and he just drops. The Niners were ready for one final run at Tom Brady before guaranteeing Purdy the starting job in 2023. Purdy tells Wagner that Shanahan sat him down and said, look, you're going to be the starter unless Tom Brady wants one more go. Purdy, quote, that meant so much to me. I remember him saying, if we can't, if we can get Tom Brady, we're going to tr- go try and get him. And I was like, yeah, he's the GOAT. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I'm i using that to illustrate. And Ryan Clark of ESPN mentioned this. He said, watching this game with Allen and Mahomes after Baltimore and Lamar yesterday makes me think, how does Brock Purdy beat any of these dudes? Right. You watch Brock Purdy's ball, it just hangs that extra second, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's not blessed with the big-time art. This is championship-level football now. You get a trophy if you win any of these games going forward. Does does he have the ability to string four quarters together, much like he strung that terrific fourth quarter together, to be enough of a weapon on the passing side with the 49ers to get them through not only Detroit, but then – Baltimore, or Kansas City. I I think we all can agree that the running game and Chris McCaffrey have to be a huge part of this. Now, Debo Samuel, as we record this, is sounding like a 50-50 bet to play. And that would be such a a huge blow to the 49ers because he's well so versatile, maybe the most versatile player in the league, but also so great after the catch. This is what I'm struggling with and I and I love the Brock Purdy story. I think he's a darn good quarterback. I think you can win a Super Bowl with him if he's surrounded by the totality of well, the and team.
1: Well, he kind of is. He had, you know, Kittle McCaffrey, and McCaffrey and the the weapons <laughs> that he has not to mention the defense. That's it. Like it is doable. It is very doable. But is he going to have
0: to make plays here in this NFC Championship game? In this Super Bowl, and is he capable of making them? And he's particularly is he capable of making them if the guy on the other side, and you know, it could be Jared Goff. He played well against Tampa, but like if Lamar or Mahomes have them a day in the Super Bowl, and we have seen this in the past, right? You know, Brady versus uh, Mahomes, Brady versus Matt Ryan. Like if the other guy is having him a day, can you mm-hmm. keep up? Yeah, Brock Purdy. Speaking of Mahomes, that is, we mentioned yesterday he has six games now, come Sunday, in the AFC Championship. That's tied for fourth all time with John Elway and Terry Bradshaw. Like,
1: Not in a row, just in a career. In a career. And the fact that that's yeah. all he's Like you're known.
0: already tied with Elway
1: and Bradshaw. Yeah. And for him, it's just been the bare minimum,
0: right? <laughs> like, because this first year he wasn't a starter, yeah, so yeah. Like, he's had six opportunities to get there. He's six for six. Only Roger Staubach and Joe Montana with seven, and of course Tom Brady with fourteen have more. Is Brady unbreakable here? Could Mahomes get to eight more conference championship games? That's obscene if he for stayed. Brady. If he it is obscene if he stayed healthy. Well, I, like, because that's a record. Not long
1: ago, I think you would have looked at it and went, "Oh, he's double the next guy. Never going to be broken. He can flirt with it." Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I could see him quite not it's, it's belittling it to say quite easily. I could see him getting to twelve. Like, if if the if the answer was twelve, yeah, I could see him getting to twelve. It's just finding those extra two in your sunset years. How do you grind those out? And Brady found a way. To do that, so I, I think he's going to flirt with it. I, you know, I think he's going to flirt with it in sort of the Ovechkin to Gretzky sort of flirting. Like it's it's going to be it's going to be a story. I don't know if he does it or not, though.
0: Then there's this: every single AFC championship game since 2003 has featured at least one of the following four guys: Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Patrick Mahomes. Every <laughs> single one. Twenty-one straight years of at least one of those guys
1: in the conference. It's like a championship quarterback game. matters almost.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we got a head coach hiring here in Cincinnati, where, uh, sorry, in Tennessee, who are hiring Cincinnati offensive coordinator Brian Callahan i got to say, we mentioned this with the Seahawks, okay? You're tossing Pete Carroll overboard. Who's coming in, and what are the chances that are better? I don't dispute that Mike Vrabel had some flaws, but he got you to an AFC Championship game. He had a winning record. You were in the playoffs more often than not. Okay, perhaps he wasn't perfectly aligned with your GM. Are you doing better with Brian Callahan? Because... You know, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, there are some pretty big names that are available out there. You went with an offensive coordinator who wasn't even really the hot offensive coordinator name for the Tennessee Titans. And because he will be leaving the Bengals offensive coordinator post, Blake, this is staggering. Every single team in the National Football League has changed offensive coordinators since the 2022 offseason. Wow. You've got a two-year lifespan apparently now as an offensive coordinator. For in good the, or in the NFL. for better
1: or for worse. Well,
0: in some cases, yeah. A small number of those guys get head
1: coaching jobs. Yeah. Most of them just get fired. You're disposable. Yeah. You need to make a, a change. You need to shake things up. Yeah. But not really ready to fire the $6 million, $10 million your coach. Yeah. You tweak the coordinator. Uh, sorry. There is door number three, which is you move offensive coordinator posts from one team to the
0: other, which Shane Waldron has done here, moving from the Seahawks to the Bears. And there's uh, talk that he is going to bring former CFL uh, Most Outstanding Player Kerry Joseph with him, who's been an mm, assistant yeah. with the Seahawks. so. Still waiting for the, the hoodie, Harbaugh, whether Pete gets another opportunity. Boy, you haven't heard much about Pete Carroll's name here. Uh, no. I wonder if that's,
1: if that's telltale. Maybe. Uh, quite a night in the NBA last night. Did you pick up on this? Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid setting respective franchise records for points. 62 for Cat, 70 for Embiid which actually caused uh, Kevin Durant to blush almost when he was told about it in his own post postgame. Like in, in a different game, he just caught wind of it and w- was aghast. But uh, the, for that to happen on the same night, and I believe we are only a day removed from Kobe's 81-point night in terms of the anniversary, so something about late January here that brings out big point totals in the National Basketball Association. I mean... NBA final scores these days are gaudy. Yes, they are. Like 130s and 140s on the regular. Oh, yeah, the 140s, 140s and the 130s are... So, it, it, to me, it's not actually that surprising that we're getting back to those days. Um, But it's still a lot. It's a, you know, it's a lot to see. 70 points. Mm-hmm. And Embiid, before the game, two was measuring himself up against Victor Wambanyama. and was thinking, my God, I don't look up to a lot of people in these... Uh, he, yeah. he kind of looked at the kid beside him. And looked up to the heavens and shook his head. Uh Yama had 33, by the way, in a losing effort, but uh, 70 points. Yeah, we are. Um, I broke a Wilt Chamberlain record. When you're breaking Wilt Chamberlain records, it's impressive. Well, I, I, but it's. Not the city record. It's not the city record because Chamberlain had 100 for the Philadelphia Warriors. Yes.
0: Um, which, of course, the franchise moved. It was January 22nd, so. Monday was the anniversary. Wow, so same of, day. Of the they did it all um, on the same day, and uh, yeah. sadly, we are three days away from the anniversary of Kobe's passing. Aubrey, four yeah. years, yeah, four years ago. Let's get to final results of Monday's poll question. We asked you: Have the Canucks proved you wrong this season?
1: People said, uh, "They said yes." So I'll say ninety-five percent, ninety-one. Hmm. I love this from Andy
0: the no crowd please tell me more (laughs) (laughs) anthony honestly i'm still waiting expecting the other shoe to drop well we understand that anthony you're a canucks fan i think people exhale impending doom as don taylor
1: used to always say they exhale at 100 points don't they like when Mm -hmm. the canucks pass the 100 point Uh, based on the
0: comments a lot are only going to exhale once they see some playoff success uh, David says, after they beat the Oilers in game two, watching Hughes and Ronick, I said, this team was cut bound. My buddy said I needed to stop drinking. He's almost a believer now. That is truly when I first, you know, the optimism first started. It was a very tepid, very almost disinterested preseason and training camp this year. There just was not a lot of buzz about this hockey team play. And there certainly wasn't expectation and then Casey DeSmith has that Mona Lisa versus Edmonton in Game Two, and they beat the Oilers in those first two games. And then we were at Greta, if you don't, if you remember, and the place was going crazy. And I think a little bit of the optimism started to to flow that day. Sean says the eight or nine percent of voters are liars, and Lance, as mentioned, now will they prove me
1: wrong in the playoffs?
0: There you go, never satisfied, right? Not until a Stanley Cup well, is
1: brought here. We got into a little bit of an off air debate here today and we'll make it into a poll question closer maybe to the playoffs. But is house money a thing? Well, you know, like yeah. I, I, I I think that it is. Like I, I think if they I think people want some playoff success, but mm-hmm. I think if they lost in the second round, I don't think people are wringing their hands going, This this sucks, no, what a wasted year.
0: But is that the definition of house money? Because you're well, going into the first round. If, well, Matt, know, could, for they, me, house money only only applies once you get to the place, if you're a believer in house money. Well, Matt, they like, could I easily win the president's very, trophy.
1: They could easily win the president's trophy. Normally, if you're a president's trophy-winning team, it's kind of cup or bust. There's not many president's trophy-winning teams that are like, we just want to win a round. Right. Like, nobody says that. Well, that's why I'm saying but I, house money then apply. Yeah, I think, I think it still will. Uh, honestly, if, if they go six games deep into the second round, in you know it's no, but so, honestly, you sure?
0: okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. Will the team in the market not be
1: crushed if they lose in round two? You're always disappointed when you lose in the no, playoffs. No. You're always crushed. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No.
0: Very disappointed. If they win crushed. a president's trophy, if they're the best team in the West, I I do think
2: most will be crushed if they lose in round two. And this stems from Kevin BX's intermission hit on right. the weekend about tempering right. your expectations right. and remembering where this team was last year and going into the season. Mm-hmm. Nobody envisioned it wow. to be
0: this good. And it's funny because Anson Carter and Justin Williams both said similar things to BX, just not as artfully and, of course, not with the credibility of being ex Canucks who are still beloved. I know one of them is an ex Canuck, not sure he's beloved. And uh, heard about it. I yes, think this is on one of Canuck's those Twitter last night
2: examples where both can be true. You can be, yep. wow, this team is really good. I'm really proud for them. But once you get to that actual playoff series and they lose, yeah, of course, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> but bigger picture overall, it's a huge step in the right direction. They need some like success. Back
0: a few weeks ago, a month ago, when we were thinking, OK, well, it's going to be very tough to beat Vegas the rest of the way out. But, you know, get to the 2-3 game in the Pacific. When around, everything is gravy. That I agree with. But as you say, Blake, if you're the best team in the league or the best team in the West... Yeah, I, I think that changes the calculus a little bit. Uh, I, I think that creates some expectation. If they
2: hold on right now, in the first round, right now they're facing the, very the Nashville rest. Predators. And the then round. this ties into the, well, should they go for it or should they build for the next few years debate?
0: And here? that's the other thing. Which I'm torn about.
2: Don't blame it's There's there's great arguments on both sides, mm-hmm. right? Hey, we talked about this I, yesterday with Hoagland.
0: And I think that also changes the calculus Grady trade deadline. You know, do yeah. you surrender futures for right now hell? If so, house money applies less and less to that, right? If you're loading up, anyways. Errison omissions from Monday's program. Uh, there is no date yet for the opening of the Adidas or Adidas store at the corner of Berard. And
1: I was Robson,
0: told, or at least not uh, the Daily Hive was unable to get a date con- confirmed. I did get info company. on
1: this too. Um, not sure this store is moving in there. If not for 2026, like it's a 2026 play. We'll see if it even oh, exists past I mean, 2026. But again, it, it, who cares? Yeah. Totally. If,
0: if Lionel Messi's going to show up there when Inter Miami comes by because he's an Adidas guy, or you're getting any kind of World Cup players or
1: personalities showing up there, I'm going to guess. That, I'm going to guess that becomes a hub for 2026. A 35,000 square foot Adidas store. I bet you that becomes sort of a de facto, uh, you know, festival point almost. Kind of like in the Olympics where we close that block down. Yeah, exactly.
0: Tamara's trying to do the weather with hundreds of people gathered around her chanting. You can bet
1: Lulu would like a piece of that action too. <laughs> that way, bets of the day.
2: Oh, hold on. We got some oh, uh, oh, boxers okay. here. Oh. Adam, the former bath guy, said you referred Blake. You said he said you referred to Brittany Mahomes as Ms. Ms. Yes, when she is in fact
1: Mrs. Mrs. Ms. is uh, catch-all. It doesn't matter. It's irrespective of marital um, things. They both,
0: unless specified otherwise. Yeah,
2: a great refresher because I am currently on Google looking at all the differences again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Adam. Is because it? I would have not uh, picked up on that. That is it. Yeah.
0: And, uh, in fact, uh, well, if
2: we wanna... Misses is getting more and more dated. That's right. People don't usually right. use yeah. Misses anymore. So. I had um, a, a clip yesterday, of John Shannon, talking about Nils Hoglander. I wrote, is Nils Nils Hoglander? I wrote two Nils, but then I thought about it. Two Nils, two goals on Saturday. Ah, so he deserves my excuse. it. He deserved it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was anybody picking up what you were putting nope. down there? Okay. No. Nope. You're right. Then it's an air. That way, bets of the day. Uh, I struck out with Rublev as a big swing at the Aussie Open. I know Alcaraz is very young, but he has had more success at the other Grand Slams than the Aussie Open. He's never been past the quarterfinals. Zverev is the sixth seed. He's battle tested here, and I'm getting huge value at 425. So I'm going to go with the German. Over the new king of tennis. He's won two Grand Slams in a row, US Open and Wimbledon Alcaraz. So, uh, looking forward to the uh, culmination here of the Aussie Open on the men's side because they're unlike the ladies' side where all the seated players are out, the men's side, all the big dogs are still there.
1: I'm uh, I, Plus I w- four, uh, 25. Well, I, I've got the same odds and I was going to go the same route as you. Oh, I, really? I have less confidence that he can actually pull it off. So I'm going on the over for sets. Over 4.5 still gets me 4.25. And it could be a you know, win or a loss for Z- Zverev. It's just mm-hmm. they go to five sets, pays out a 4.25.
0: Let me correct myself. Alcris is not one two in a row. He has previously won a U.S. Open. He won last year. At Wimbledon. On your Betway Bets of the Day. Is this,
1: is this like the demilitarized zone for E's and O's, though, if you make a an error after E's and O's? No, it still counts. Still, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: yeah, that's why I wanted to correct it before I'm on E's and O's again tomorrow. <laughs> on your Betway Bets of the Day. Must be 19-plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us. Ring quiet and Connects conversation wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.